The year was 1970. Apollo 13 didn't make it to the moon, and The Who became the first rock group to perform at the Met. The Beatles called it quits, with the long and winding road becoming their 20th and final Billboard number 1 hit. Simon and Garfunkel released their final album, Bridge Over Troubled Water, the Isle of Wight Music Festival was the largest rock festival of the day, and Jimi Hendrix and Janis Joplin joined the 27 Club. Richard Nixon ordered a secret invasion of Cambodia, which was met with massive protests. The October Crisis rocked Quebec, the EPA was established, and the Kent State Massacre occurred. California became the first state to adopt the no-fault divorce law, and the Gay Liberation March took place on the first anniversary of the Stonewall Riots. The Women's Strike for Equality rocked Fifth Avenue in New York, the Houston Women's Invitation became the first women's-only tennis tournament, and the Nelson Pill hearings led to mandating the inclusion of patient package inserts declaring all possible side effects of the birth control pill. And on September 19, 1970, the Mary Tyler Moore Show aired on CBS, and forever changed the shape of television as we know it. Welcome to After All, a cross-generational podcast dedicated to discovering and rediscovering the social, political, and personal impact of The Mary Tyler Moore Show. We're your hosts, Ariel Fisher and Sylvia McCon. We are a mother and daughter team here coming at you, uh, going through the entirety of The Mary Tyler Moore Show. We, uh, yeah, it's my first time getting in touch with the show and my mother's second time i'm not even sure how many times i saw all the or most of the episodes way back 40 years ago or more when you were growing up when i was growing up in 1970 when the show first aired i was in high school (laughs) (laughs) and uh and over the ensuing years were very important years in in my life so this is uh, a very exciting podcast to do with uh with my daughter ariel (laughs) For those of you who don't know, we should do a little bit of an introduction. Uh, as I said, my name is Ariel Fisher. I am a freelance writer, sometimes editor, and podcaster. You can find me on uh, A Frame Apart is my other podcast, which I have with my my boyfriend, partner in crime and life, Robert Barrow, Bob Barrow, to those, to those who know him. And uh, you can find us over on the Modern Superior Network, where this show will be as well. I've written for such publications as Rue Morgue, Sound On Sight, and the Toronto Film Scene, and generally work in the media industry. I have been a guest on multiple different podcasts, so I am relatively seasoned in this. Mom, this is your first podcast. It is my very, very first podcast. I am a podcast virgin. So we are changing that today. We are. This is a very important day. (laughs) 
<laughs> it's a little nerve-wracking. I have done many, many things in my life. This is not one of them. Well, it is now, though. It is now. It is now. It is now. On at 7 p.m. on this day. Yes. My so... daughter has changed my life. <laughs> <laughs> so we are airing on we, we've recorded this during the summer we're pre-recording everything and the show is going live on september 19th that is the day you are listening to this at least for the first time probably maybe i don't know but you will be listening to this live for the first time on september 19th which was the day that the series originally went live when the day that it originally broadcasted with the pilot episode called love is all around so just i guess for a little bit of background the reason why we're doing this podcast is a little different. Mary Tyler Moore passed away in 2016 on January 25th. She was much beloved by millions around the world. And in for, for a great reason, predominantly, the impact she had on the world from this particular show, from the Mary Tyler Moore show. She was a hero to women everywhere, not least of which someone like Oprah. And, you know, really made such a huge impact on media and representations of women within media. Now, when the show came out, Mom, you were a teenager. How old were you in 1970? Um, 15. Okay. And you had been in Canada for two years? I had been in Canada for two years. I had arrived in 1968 from Argentina, Mm -hmm. a very patriarchal country. (laughs) Um, And uh, the the Mary Tyler Moore show, we had watched the Dick Van Dyke show with Mary Tyler Moore in it, in a very conventional, traditional role, which now in retrospect was very... um, Dated? A little bit. (laughs) A little dated, a little misogynistic. A little misogynistic, yes, a little patriarchal. And um, when um, a couple of years later, when she started in in her own show, in the Mary Tyler Moore show, I think all of us who loved her from her previous roles... Uh, really were looking forward to this new episode in her professional life and and in her life as this um, young, uh, independent, and happy person who wasn't just waiting to get married. Mm-hmm. Now, for me, when I had always heard about the Mary Tyler Moore show, I I knew it existed. But, like, you never showed it to me when I was a kid. I'm so sorry. I, I, you should be. I know. I apologize. <laughs> I showed you many, You many showed other me things. many other things. Many other things. But I never watched it growing up. And when she died, I had... I, ha- I didn't have any experience with her. So I really didn't feel much when she died. I didn't feel like there was any loss. Except for my own loss that I couldn't feel that with the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. So... We went to, after she died, Musicale, which is a film series done at the Royal Cinema by uh, friends of mine, known uh, Matt Price and Sasha James. And they did a special tribute show at the Royal on February 5th, dedicated to Mary Tyler Moore. So they showed A Change of Habit, which was a film from... The 70s, I think the Mary Tyler Moore show was already around with Elvis and she's a nun and she goes into the projects to help, you know, the people as ridiculous film. It was hilarious, but not supposed to be. 
Nuns, <laughs> nuns with eyeshadow. Nuns with eyeshadow mm-hmm. and, you know, a Jones and for jo- the king. And go-go boots. And go-go boots. Yes. But it was... So at the tribute, there was also a pre-show where they showed two episodes of the Mary Tyler Moore show and two episodes of the Dick Van Dyke show. Now, I had never seen any episodes of either. So this was my indoctrination into what Mary Tyler Moore was and what Mary Tyler Moore would become. And it was pretty eye-opening. They showed the pilot and an episode called Love is All Around, which we're going to talk about today. And they also showed an episode that came later. I'm not sure which season it was in where she discusses issues with the wage gap. That's right. And and so this was my first exposure to her. And I went home and I'm thinking about it. I'm going, man, I should do something about this. Maybe I should write about it and like watch all of the episodes and do a piece on it. No, it should be more of a series. And I kept trying to muddle over what I should do with this. And it occurred to me that it would make an interesting show, an interesting podcast. But it couldn't just be myself because that's boring. You're not boring. That's not true. I can be very boring. So not. (laughs) But it also couldn't be just me talking to somebody else from my generation because then it's a bit of an echo chamber. And I thought of a couple of other women that I could have spoken to about the show. But I went out. You went out. It's you. Yep. Because you're my favorite. You're my favorite. Woman of this generation? Well, you're just my favorite, period. So, (laughs) (laughs) kind of of anything. It helps that you birthed me and you could create one just like me. So, I try to tread lightly. So, yeah, I thought, what a better, what better way to do this and to discuss issues of feminism, the impact of Mary Tyler Moore as a human and the impact of the Mary Tyler Moore show as Mm -hmm. this phenomenon, than with my mom. Yes. Who got to experience it firsthand. Yes. And who now in retrospect, I I must confess, at the time, Mm -hmm. and maybe because I was new to the country and I was finding my own way in the, you know, stormy waters of high school in a (laughs) new country, and then later on through college and through jobs and through all those things, Mary Mary in in the Mary Tyler Moore show kind of grew up with me but I think I was too busy with my own life to actually see it for the groundbreaking show that it was Mm -hmm. well yeah I mean when you're 15 nothing exists but you absolutely so to be fair and my bad hair (laughs) (laughs) which I think if you had just embraced the curls when you were young it would have been fine there were no products then it was bad it was bad it was it was wrapping it around your head to straighten it yeah and then the cans. The can of juice on your head and the clips all around. <laughs> and I thought it was bad when I took a flat, when I took an actual iron, iron to my to hair. Yeah, yes. But no, this was worse. No, this was worse. You had to sleep in this. <laughs> so we are here to discuss Mary in all of her glory. And we're starting right at the very beginning. A very good place to start. <laughs> See, we can do things like that. This is our show. We can That's do right. We are, you will get to know us very well. We we have songs for everything. We have songs for everything. You might hear us do that throughout the show periodically. If we say something that is a line in a song, we might sing it or, you know, mm-hmm. do that. So just to brace you guys, you're in for a treat with Maria that. Maria Von Trapp, get your guitar. Exactly. Let's start at the very beginning. Very good place to start. So we are starting off with the very first episode, the pilot, called Love is All Around. So for those who don't know, according to IMDb, the summary of the show is, 
On the rebound from a busted relationship, Mary Richards relocates to Minneapolis, where she quickly finds a new apartment, an associate producer's job at WJM-TV, and new friends. So it's, you know, a nice way to... A, a nice basic synopsis of things and, and really pretty much pretty accurate. Now, I had seen this episode the one other time when we were at the mm-hmm. the tribute to Miss Moore, but it's kind of fun going into this episode with this project in mind and trying to think about that. So it was really, I don't know, it was kind of interesting for me to watch. What was it like for you rewatching this episode? Well, uh, as you mentioned, I was with you when we went to see this tribute um, just recently. Mm-hmm. And so for me to watch it again after so many years it was it was this 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 lovely feeling of recognition it's like oh i remember this and i remember this first apartment when mary comes in and uh and uh, uh um, tries to establish herself in this new world of her so it was for me it was very warm and fuzzy to see this it mm-hmm. was it was that hit of recognition something i hadn't seen in such a long time yeah when i first saw it it was, it was, you know, through the eyes of a 15-year-old, it was, wow, this woman is awesome. She's so cool. <laughs> and I want that apartment. And I want that outfit. And I want that outfit. And I want to be as skinny as her, <laughs> which is not, I'm sorry, that is not a correct thing to say. But that's but it's, I thought. A, it's, it's true. true. It's true. Um, <laughs> and as I mentioned before, the transition from being perky, Laura Petrie in the uh, Dick Van Dyke show mm-hmm. to now being a very independent young woman striking out on her own in a new city mm-hmm. was extremely exciting. It was wonderful to watch and to see where is she going to go and what is she going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was very cool. It's really interesting also to see because this, I mean... It breaks with convention on so many different levels because at this point, like television was, it was 1970. We just got out of the 60s. You know, JFK has been, been assassinated. All of the golden era of the, of the 60s is kind of washed away. And you're starting to deal with these new concepts and kind of broader descriptions of life and what things could be. But it's interesting that you, you know, I... I haven't seen too many sitcoms from the 1960s, but everything I'd imagine was a lot perkier and happier. And you, you know, the, Very much so. the you would play off of things specifically. Well, I don't think you would see too many female fronted television series. In fact, I think they didn't exist. Um, there was Father Knows Best. There were there were couples. There was, you know, the Ozzy and Harriet. And right. there was... Um, the one I was just mentioning, the Danny Thomas show, where where the dad was, it was a comedy, and mm-hmm. but it was very much dad led. Okay. Father knows best was this benevolent dad who knew best. Right. Um, there was my three sons was actually a little bit unusual, and I don't remember when it started, but it was a single father, mm-hmm. and I don't remember if he was a widower or if he was divorced. I'm going right. to I'm going to assume he was a widower. And he had three young I think he sons. Was, I think he was a widower. And I think the only reason I know that is because of now and then. Oh, okay. Because I'm pretty sure when they're watching, or no, when Thora Birch and Gabby Hoffman are in the treehouse in the lot 
and they're kind of sitting there talking about everything and mm-hmm. Gabby's like I wish my life was normal because her parents are getting divorced uh-huh. and they're like nobody's life is normal she's like well on TV and Thora Birch is like no on Father Knows Best this right. everybody's either divorced or dead and so <laughs> on my three sons widower and I distinctly right. remember her saying That's right. that but I thought your parents got along I lied why I don't know I just want to have a normal family, you know? Like the Brady Bunch. Well, six kids sharing one bathroom does not sound like fun to me. Besides, Mike and Carol are widowed. Well, in the Partridge family. Shirley Jones is widow. Buffy and Jody, they're orphans. Um, Courtship of Eddie's father, widower. My three sons, widower. Bonanza, widower. Beverly Hillbillies, widower. You see, Sam? There are no perfect families. It's normal for things to be shitty. So that was kind of the pulse of the time. Right. And then prior to that, of course, there was was I Love Lucy. Which right. broke with convention in slightly different ways, but it was still a very conventional marriage. Yeah. Where... With the twin beds in the bedroom. Yes. Which on the Dick Van Dyke show, that of course also happened. Yeah. And it took me a long time to realize that that was not normal life and to and to question how come my parents sleep in a double bed and Laura and Rob sleep in twin beds and yeah. do people actually do that in real life I don't know only in television in America yeah only in television land in America where That's everything right. has to be very very sanitized. vanilla and safe yes very sanitized very sanitized sex is no <clears throat> sex is a no no oh exactly Mm-hmm. Right. But then you get this kind of anomaly and Mary Tyler Moore comes into the scene and it's all about a woman leaving a man mm-hmm. to get a job and be independent. Like that's True. unheard of. I mean, that's still unheard of when you think about it. I mean, you have the odd show now and then that does that and you have, you know, some are better than others. Some are more intersectional, some are less so. But like, girls really tried to do that, but didn't really ac- accomplish it in a very positive intersectional way. Something like Sex in the City definitely addressed issues like that about being an independent woman, but it was still very much based around the notion of love and romance. Yes. Whereas, with Mary Tyler Moore from the get-go, it totally does away with that. Mm-hmm. In the very first episode, she leaves her boyfriend, yep. cuts all ties... Goes to get a secretarial job, gets an associate producer job. For $10 a, a week less. less. Yes. Which, to be fair, is pretty typical of professions in the arts. That's right. Um, and meets all of these new wonderful people and mm-hmm. makes all of these new wonderful friends. True. And really establishes a life outside of convention. Now, that's true. However, when the boyfriend... So in the first episode, the boyfriend yeah. comes back to visit and... We assume he comes back because he wants to sleep with her. Yeah. And she essentially brushes him off. So, but brushes him off in a way like as if to say, I waited two years to get married and you were having none of it. And now here you are coming to visit me without a proposal of marriage. I'm not going to sleep with you without marriage, which is also pretty conventional in its own way. Yeah. And and Phyllis, her landlord slash friend who mm-hmm. got her the apartment in a in the very funny scene where she says, I want you to be married 
because I'm married and I want you to be like me. And <laughs> and I know about marriage. And I know about marriage. I know about the frustrations of marriage. And the I, sacrifice. Yes. And, and the, the sublimation. Yes. <laughs> so you get this very negative, <clears throat> really very modern view of... Kind of uh, honesty about marriage. The honesty about marriage in the modern world that um, women, I think, prior to this would not have voiced on on television or even... Behind closed behind doors. Behind closed doors. They yeah. may have thought about it themselves, but they might not have said anything because yeah. you're supposed to be happy being a housewife. Yes, and you're a supposed mother. to... And a, and a wife in general. A wife in general. Yeah. Like, that's... the, up that's until the this, fulfilling role. Yeah. Up until this point, that was kind of the ultimate endgame, right? Get, Absolutely. Get a husband. Get a husband. Yeah. And Mary's having none of it. And she's 30. And she's like, 30. that's the other thing. And that's really old. With it, no. <laughs> 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 That's the scary part is that I'm tw- I am currently 29 by January of this year I will be 30. I'm basically mm-hmm. Mary Richards age starting yes, this out are. and kind of finding my way right. in the world of media. And it's, and it's hard mm-hmm. and it's scary. And I think that's yes. also a big reason why I wanted to do this was looking at, looking at her as kind of, I don't know. She was such a role model for so many people. Was she a role model for you? That's a that's a good question, and it's and it's a hard one to answer. Um, she probably was, and I didn't really realize it. Mm-hmm. So let's backtrack from nineteen. So nineteen seventy, I was in I was in high school. Okay, I would have been in grade ten. My sister, my older sister, got married that year at the age of twenty. Right, which I thought was normal. Mm-hmm. And only in retrospect, it, it, I realized that's that's quite young. Yeah. But for that era, it actually wasn't. It was pretty normal to get married during that time. And the convention of the day was that you would get married. You may have gone to some kind of post-secondary education. And then you would work for a time at a typically female job, like a teacher or a nurse or, or, a, secretary. or a secretary. Those are the three, you know, <clears throat> the, the trifecta of female jobs. And as soon as you got married, well, by 1970, it was not so much getting married, but getting pregnant, right. which happened shortly thereafter. Mm-hmm. So you got married, you continued to work for a little bit because you would then buy a house. Uh, so you needed to save a little bit of money. Uh, or put your husband through law school or medical school or whatever profession right. uh, he was getting himself into. And then you got pregnant and you quit your job. Right. And in fact, in some professions and in some jobs, it was required that you quit your job. You could not it, be pregnant and working. Right. Could, maternity leave wasn't remotely a thing. It wasn't a thing. <clears throat> we'll have to double check when that yeah, became when that, when a that thing. Became, when, so when Derek was born, your brother in yeah. 1984, and this is in Canada, most progressive country in the world. Um, Up there. Matt leave was five months. Okay. So it has certainly improved over yeah. the last 33 years. Although that's still better than I thought it was. Why did I think it was something like three months? Mm, I have no, no idea. I, okay, correct. It was 17 weeks, whatever <clears> that <throat> translates to. Okay. Okay. I don't know. You're better at the fast math than I am. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, it was somewhere, it yeah. was in the four to five month period, just when, uh, when, when you're getting settled into your role as a new mother, you have to go back to work. Right. But back to 1970. So, so I was in high school and I was involved in school and I'm, I'm trying to think of how I thought then about how my life would evolve. And 
the idea of marriage was always there, mm -hmm. but the idea of a career was there as well. And I think I had some vague notion of work-life balance, which of course never happens. Well, no. So, uh, <laughs> um, that I could work part-time and raise children part-time and, um, and have a normal social life part-time. Mm -hmm. And whether any of that was uh, ideas that were, were, that germinated because of, of something like the Mary Tyler Moore Show, that may very well have been the fact that you could have a career and continue in your life. Now, in, in, in her case, she didn't get married during the course of the show. No. And, and, and as far as I'm aware, romance played a really secondary role. She had, she had boyfriends on and off and she had dates on and off, mm -hmm. but it was a backdrop. It wasn't the primary thing. The primary thing, I think, was her independence right. and the fact that she wasn't waiting for a man to sweep her off her feet. She was sweeping herself off she her feet. She was sweeping herself off her feet. She was standing on her own two feet. Yeah. She had wonderful relationships with the people she worked with that became friends with her, that she became friends with. But the idea that you could be that person and not feel like a spinster right. was, was pretty revolutionary. So it gave rise to the idea that you don't have to follow, you don't have to do the default thing of being a wife, right. unless, unless you want to. Yeah, that it became a choice, it as opposed a choice. to a kind of the societal yeah. obligation. Absolutely. Because that's definitely, I mean, at least for me, I've never felt, and I'm, I'm lucky because one, I'm born in Canada, two, I'm white, Three, I had ve have very progressive parents mm -hmm. who never pushed, like you guys never pushed on me the need to be a wife or married or anything. You Not always tried to push, you know, no. you be you, go do you. Go be, do you, be happy to be, go, be, go, go to be happy. Go to be happy. Go to be happy doing whatever you want as long <laughs> as it's something that fulfills you and yeah. that you're happy doing. And that's kind of always where I've gone with this. And I mean, mm -hmm. I've been with the same person for four years almost we're about to celebrate our fourth anniversary which is kind of fun but marriage has never seemed like an obligation and kids have never seemed like an obligation no it was always it always it, not even career although to an extent yeah find some kind of a career but something that's fulfilling right so this is i think my generation is kind of seeing the ripple effect of that initial impact of something like the Mary Tyler Absolutely. Moore show. And what's also really nice about it, and especially in this episode, again, she starts off and the very first episode, you've got her losing the dude and just, and getting the job, getting it on her own. And it's kind of interesting to me how when she comes back home afterwards and Phyllis and Bess have been rearranging her apartment for her and making home feel like home. And she comes in the door and gets this amazing job and is just like, I have great news. And Phyllis keeps stopping her and expecting her to acknowledge their housework. Right. And well, why aren't you happier about your surroundings? Where's your thank you for all of our labor? Because I just got a fabulous job, yes. which is so much more important to me right now. Which is still kind of indicative yeah. of yep. where their mindset was. Yeah. Having said that, it, Phyllis is a progressive mom, and I put that in air quotes. Yeah. She's a progressive mom who, who raises her child, her precocious little darling, to yeah. be a 
a very um, open and independent young girl. Yeah. So that that's kind of a tiny little sub thing. And she there. only comes up every now and then. But you you had said yeah. something earlier about how audiences really liked her and took to her because she was smart and quick and yeah. and kind of outspoken. Yes. Which is and big for a little girl. It is big for a little girl, and she's very she's likable in a in a perverse kind of way in yeah. the show because. Because she, she's a bit grumpy and a bit gruff. And you can see the tension between her and her mother. Yeah. And um, I think what we read earlier was that she, she the character, likes... Of Bess, yeah. The character of Bess likes the character of Rhoda Morgenstern, who we'll talk about in a bit. And, beca- and, and her mom, Phyllis, does not like Rhoda. So... We we side we the audience sides with Bess because we think Bess is a cool little girl. Yeah, and Bess actually kept Rhoda on the show. Yes, because of early audience testing, people didn't like Rhoda because Mary because she was brash and she was outspoken, but she was the enemy. She was in the very in the very first episode, the pilot that they had organized. Mary Tyler Moore and Rhoda Valerie Harper were, you know, adversaries. Adversaries, adversaries, but they were they were vying for the same apartment. Well, yeah, and nobody liked Rhoda because Mary Tyler Moore was so beloved in the public consciousness. Mm-hmm. So they put Bess in there defending Rhoda and you know saying, "Oh, she's cool. Aunt Rhoda's fun. Aunt Rhoda's this. Aunt Rhoda's that." And so people warmed up to her, and even just by the very end of the episode, like as the episode progresses, the way. Mary and Rhoda speak to one another, you can see, okay. This is going to be a friendship. This is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. That's right, exactly. Yeah. And by the end of the episode, you can tell that that's where it's gone. Yeah, it's like I'm having a hard time hating you. We're yeah. going to work on that. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and Rhoda's really interesting. Like, I think I'm really going to like Rhoda. I mean, I'm, I'm curious to see more of her. She's hilarious. Because this is like, this is this is basically this all is... of my exposure to, to the show thus far. Right. So I'm so excited no, to see. No, she's, I, 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 no, I won't do any spoiler alerts, but she's fabulous. Like she's, she's, she's brash, she's funny, she's inappropriate. <laughs> she's all those things that Mary is not. Yeah. So she's a perfect foil for her. Yeah. And they're great friends, even though they are quite different. And one of the things that we talked about earlier is, is the, the differences so Mary is the perfect white Presbyterian girl. Yeah. Um, who goes to Minnesota. <laughs> and, uh, and Rhoda <laughs> is uh, a Jewish girl from New York who comes to live there. And she said she came to, because, she couldn't, because she couldn't find an apartment in New York. Right. I'm sure there are other reasons that come up in later episodes. But so they have fairly big cultural differences and and in the course of the or even this first episode they kind of make subtle fun mm-hmm. of the stereotypes that the two of them represent and of yeah. each other and it's interesting even just bringing in those those stereotypes because this is a i mean relatively speaking this is an incredibly diverse group of women and i mean that in terms of their character traits it's mm-hmm. it's still a very you know it's still 1970 Television wasn't very racially diverse yet. You no. had the first, you know, arguably the first kiss on the first interracial kiss on television in 1962. It was a teleplay from the Granada, uh, the Granada play of the week called "You in Your Small Corner," 
and there was like a full makeout scene and post-coital scene but star trek always gets kind of the, the credit, the credit for, for that in yeah. 1968 with the kiss between Uhura and Kirk. Now, granted, that was probably more publicly accessible and that was probably the more popular, like the kiss heard round the world kind of idea. Uh. But, and then you had, you know, Star Trek, which ran from 1966 to 1969 and you had Uhura on the show. So there mm-hmm. was an element of, of interracial uh, representation. You also had All in the Family, which started in 1971, and then George Jefferson made his first appearance in 1973, and then the Jeffersons got their spinoff in 1975. That's right. Now, there's probably a bunch of, a bunch of other shows that we're not aware of. So if, if you know of anything, write in and let us know. Uh, what some of the earlier examples of, of, of interracial sitcoms are. But in terms of their character, you have, you know, Mary who is, she's got spunk, you know, mm-hmm. she's got gumption and she's going out there and she's doing her thing. And she is fairly frank, but she's also quite poised and she's very respectful. Yes, she is. And a very much a byproduct of the time. I think Phyllis arguably is a little bit more so a byproduct of the time, but she's still trying to be more liberal and a little bit more open. And with the way she raises Bess, having her, you know, she calls, she, she has Bess call her Phyllis instead of calling her mom. Right. And trying to keep those doors open. And then you have Rhoda, who is just brash and outspoken and the perfect caricature of a Brooklyn Jew Mm -hmm. and an outspoken as much as an out as as a Brooklyn Jew and that kind of does that come into play more later her her Judaism like her Jewishness um I'm trying to remember like it has been a long time since I've seen these episodes and we will see as we go on and we exactly and we will see as we go on from the top of my head I would say that it's not it it's 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 a little um, not, it, it, it's not in your face. Yeah. So her religion doesn't come into play in that way, in your face. Um, but her Jewish culture. Her Jewish culture is kind of always there. It's, yeah. it's, it's present in subtle ways. Yeah. And Mary's prim and proper Presbyterian upbringing is there in yeah. subtle ways. Which is fun to see because, I it mean, is. well, we're Jewish for those who don't know. And it's kind of, it's, it's nice to see that representation because mm-hmm. you don't get that. And I mean, granted, she's a bit of a caricature, but to me, she feels like a positive one, at least from this vantage point. And I may see it problematic later on. I don't know, but it doesn't feel like a damaging caricature no. of, of, of an atheistic or agnostic Jew. To me, it seems like a fairly positive one. And especially because she's a woman. And generally, there's a lot of misogynistic stuff in Judaism. Absolutely. But I think in this case, I think it's more about her being a woman from a big city like New York. Yeah. Than, than I, I think she happens to be Jewish as opposed to that, that her Judaism is a, is a central yeah. character trait. They don't make it a major deal. Uh, not that I can recall. Okay. We may have to backtrack on that. We well yes we will see as we go on but that wouldn't surprise me I can't see them representing mm-hmm. Judaism too openly no. on a you know a syndicated television show no but for the time Although being the other thing was on the on uh, all in family at a right. later in in some later episodes and later seasons I believe that Archie Bunker ends up having business partners who are Jewish and of I course don't, and I don't know. <laughs> Uh, at that point, I don't think I was watching it on a regular basis, so I'm not sure what that interaction is like. 
But if it's like anything else in the, in all in the family, it would be in your face and full of contention. Yeah, yeah, and Archie being Archie, Archie being Archie, most lovable racist on television, pretty much. <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> God. But yeah, I mean, this was really great. I think as a first, as a first episode, a first both in both senses of yeah. the term. Yes. You know, it's. It, I think it's a great way to start the series. It really sets us up to see what she's going to be doing. Mm-hmm. We're it, excited to see more. Yeah. And it really lays the groundwork. This is a film about a career girl. Yep. Who goes out and gets herself a career and she's works got hard. great clothes. She does. She and she does. has great hair. She has great hair. And we want to look like her. And like all that, all those clothes are back now and we want to wear them. Yeah. So well, the 90s are also coming back. It's very strange for me. I remember when I was in high school and you saw that, you know, we were wearing bell bottoms. Yes. And you laughed at me and were like, oh my God, I had clothes just like that when I was a teenager. And I'm like, why didn't you save them? Well, now the 90s are coming back. I guess it's every 20 years, every right? Every 20 years. Absolutely. <clears throat> When I was a teenager, I wore clothes from the 50s that my mother used to wear. That's hilarious. Yeah, and it's true. And you didn't save any of them for me. Well, <laughs> I mean, how much can you save? That's true. That is very true. I am a minimalist. I'm sorry. You are. You're far more practical and pragmatic mm-hmm. than I am. Mm-hmm. But I guess that's episode one. And thank you guys for joining us. We will be yes, back indeed. next week. We will be doing an episode every week and bunching them like seasons. So... Coming up next week on After All, a Mary Tyler Moore podcast, we'll be discussing episode two of the Mary Tyler Moore show called Today I Am a Ma'am. It is, and this, uh, according to IMDb, <laughs> oh, this is going to be fun. Frustrated with their single status, Mary and Rhoda invite dates to a, quote, little gathering at Mary's apartment. Okay. Hijinks should ensue. I'm excited to see what happens. <laughs> so tune in next week. For, after all, a Mary Tyler Moore podcast where we will be discussing episode two, Today I Am a Ma'am. And you can find us on the various social medias. So you can find me personally on Twitter and Instagram at AFIS8. Mom, where can they find you on Twitter yourself? What's your What's your Twitter handle? Um, good question. You look that up. I'll keep doing this. And then we'll go with that. I'm not, I'm not very Twitterish. Yeah. <laughs> You don't tweet too much. But you can find us on Twitter at After All Podcast and on Facebook at the same After All Podcast. We'll, uh, we should have an Instagram feed going at some point. By the time we were recording this, I don't think I'd gotten one yet. But we will let you know next episode. Just search uh, After All and I'm sure you'll find us. You can also email us if you have any feedback you'd like to offer or anything at all feel free to email us at afterallpodcast at gmail.com again that's afterallpodcast at gmail.com and again we are pre-recording everything so each season will go live like the television series and we will be here every tuesday and yeah you can also find us of course on soundcloud google play music stitcher and the pocket pocket casts app if I could speak, that would be helpful. And of course, you can find us on iTunes. So please go to iTunes, listen to the show, rate, subscribe, write us a little review. All the love makes us a little bit more visible for everybody else. So please go ahead and rate and review the show and subscribe on iTunes. And my Twitter handle is so creative, at Sylvia McCon. So there you go. And so that go. is S I. L-V-I-A-M-A-C-C-O-N. Correct. So no Ys in this Sylvia's name, people. No, she's weird. Spell it correctly. 
Um, but yeah, so thank you very much for joining us. And that's all for today. We'll catch you next time on After All, a Mary Tyler Moore podcast. Thank you.